What's up, everyone? This is Just You Guys Talking. Thank you for tuning back in. This is episode six, where we have a spectacular topic to be talking about today. I'm so excited to be bringing this one to you. But before I jump into what the topic is today, I want to lay down the ground rules, If especially if you're a brand new listener or if you're a returning listener. I just want to give you a reminder, refresher about the premise of Just Two Guys Talking. The premise behind Just Two Guys Talking is that our names are not important and neither is our backgrounds. The only thing that we want you to listen to is the ideas that we bring to the table. And I also want to add an emphasis on why we're doing this. One of the reasons why we're doing this is that we want to bring back the conversation around ideas. Me and guy number one, guy number two, we switch off every once in a while, but essentially me and my best friend, uh, my partner, my buddy, we both see in the world that a lot of people are not listening and yet they want to be heard. And a lot of people tell themselves these, this story that, you know, they are the victim and all this other stuff. And they utilize their biases to create this narrative that fills in all the gaps when in when in reality, universal reality, they should be listening. So that is what we are bringing to the table. We want you to listen with your full attention, your mind and your heart. That's why we're not telling you our names or our backgrounds. We don't want you to know any of those details so you don't have to fill them in. We just want you to hear the ideas for what they are worth. That is it. All right, with that being said, I'm gonna dive into episode six with y'all. The topic is anxiety. It's, it's, this is a good one. This is something that we all battle. This is something that uh, in this episode, uh, guide number two, me, I deal with quite often, and as you can hear in guy number one, he talks about his anxiety as well. We get into a lot of tools that we both utilize in order to overcome this anxiety. Anyways, before I just give everything away, I want to let y'all listen and make a decision for yourself on whether if this was useful or if it's not. If it is useful, cool. If it's not, cool. The only thing I care about is that you listen with your heart and your mind and your soul. Have fun. Catch you on the other end. What's up, everyone? This is Just Two Guys Talking, where the premise is we don't care about our names or our backgrounds. The only thing we want you to care about is the ideas that we bring to the table. Today's topic is about anxiety. We're utilizing the previous episode, episode five, the devil we know, the devil you know, as a jumping off point for anxiety. And uh, guy number one, do you want to crack this one open up? <laughs> open for us. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's talk about anxiety, man. We've all got it. We all deal with it. I'm dealing with it right now. It's always in the background of my mind. You're dealing with, with it probably right now. It's always in the back of your mind. And by you, I mean also guy number two, and I mean the listeners. This is uh, a very consistent, what I would call, I consider it a, a flux emotion. That in between emotions and the spaces where we don't know what we're feeling or how we're feeling, this emotion tends to kind of play on in the background like chatter. 
and uh, its its main mode of, of what it seems to want to do is to eat is to get you moving in some way, but it doesn't always articulate what that way is. For sure, no, I definitely agree. Uh, before we get a little bit further, could uh, you rotate your mic a little bit? Yeah, this way. Yeah, now go ahead and test it out. Testing one two. Lift it up. Testing one two. We so should much, sound yeah, check. so much clearer. So much clearer. Yeah, right. yeah. I just back I hope, up a little bit. Sure. There you I go. Hope that, I hope that audio came through well. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's an emotion that's trying to get us motivated. It is evolutionarily advantageous, and I, I wanted to start by saying that because, you know, we all really, really like to get away from our emotions, as we talked about in the last podcast. I think. The devil we know, the devil you know, turned a little bit into how does addiction work? Um, which yeah. you know, a lot of it, you know, it, a lot of it isn't really even addiction. We're talking about we're really talking about complacency and ignoring red red flags. Uh, we we're talking about betrayals a little before the podcast and how that works, how I think that works, and we can maybe even like leave that in here hopefully. But with anxiety, the reason why I bring up the evolutionary uh, elements of it is because we all want to get away from anxiety. But why would we try and escape something that's helped all of our predecessors get to the point that we exist? In a statistically unlikely chain of events, you exist. So right. clearly, anxiety was part of the puzzle. Clearly, it has, it has a use. And clearly, we don't deal with it right if we're trying to fight it. Definitely. No, I agree wholeheartedly with that. Uh, one, of, one of the ways that I've turned anxiety around is one like you just said, is like, why would I want to get rid of it? That seems right. like the opposite thing of what I would want to do. Instead, I want to integrate it into who I am. And one of the phrases that uh, I've come across in the world that I've really appreciated was anxiety can either be a black hole or it can be a battery. And mm -hmm. like you said earlier, it can fuel you. It's fueled humanity to essentially, you know, be on the alert, protect themselves, and then utilize the energy that is being triggered by their nervous system to propel them forward but since we have moved away from hunting and gathering and living in small tribes uh we live in a world where that uh, that anxious feeling isn't being really utilized to its fullest capabilities and uh you know i think i think that's essentially why we're here today to hopefully give you the listener a few other perspectives on how anxiety can be integrated into uh, your life and how it affects those around you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I love that you call it a battery because it, it, the funny thing about anxiety, it's, it's one part of a coin, generally uh, speaking, the coin being excitement and the other, you know, one side being excitement and one side being nervousness, right? Definitely. And it's really comes down to the way that we're processing the event that we're associating the anxious experience with. I'll give you, I'll give you a little story. I am hopelessly anxious about public speaking. Hopelessly mm. anxious. I think for people, actually the top three uh, fears in life is something like, I think death is always like number one. I think public speaking actually was number one on the list at one point. No, oh, wow. still be. And I can't remember what the, what the third one is. Um, <laughs> I feel like it was arachnophobia, but probably not. But um, which is fear of spiders. But yeah, no, fear of public speaking is always at the top, which is really interesting. Um, and 
I, you know, doing something like a podcast, being on here and talking, even though it's with you, I know there's going to be an audience listening. And there's a, there, there was in the first couple of episodes chatter in the back of my mind saying, hey, man, like, look out. What's funny, though, so I was in college and I was taking, uh, it was my last semester in college, doing a summer course, five-week express, you know, express lane, trying to get done. Just one last class left. And it was a course on, uh, it was a really interesting course, feminist history across time, uh, using the, the Salem witch trials and uh, other witch trials across time. It was really, really cool. I had five weeks to learn all this history. And we're talking like 1400s to, you know, early 1900s. How, yeah. did, this, how did this all play out? Very, very fascinating. And at the end of it, I had to give a group presentation. We only had about 48 hours to get this presentation ready. So I'm hustling across uh, campuses, a bleeding hot day out, like 110 degrees. I'm dressed for a presentation. So I got like a nice, oh, you, know, you know, business casual attire. I got a nice polo, but we're talking about 100 something degrees outside. I got my khakis on. I got you know, the nice shoes. And I'm like <laughs> yeah. hustling across campus, sweating, 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 heart rates through the roof. I think I even took something for energy, which made it even worse. I was like, oh my God, I got to talk. Oh my God, I got to talk. Oh my God, I got to talk. I do not feel prepared. And while I was up on stage, I am just sweating profusely, man. You can just see pit stains underneath me, I'm sure. Oh, I yeah. could feel it. I could feel all the eyes, 40 people on me on, on a presentation I had just prepared and had not practiced yet. Something in me that had never snapped before snapped into place, not out of place. Ooh, yeah. And I was unbelievably articulate i don't know what took me over i was pumped the fuck up and i, I was it. just like running the room i was taking q a's from my professor the master of the subject who spends her phd life researching it something snapped into place and it was something along the lines of i'm up here i'm uncomfortable lean the fuck in because there's no getting out totally yeah that's exactly it you gotta I lean in it was great. I was so excited after, man. Like, I was elated. I had just integrated that experience as being something. There was no, you know, we always have three responses, right? Fight, fight, freeze. Yeah. There was no fight. There was no fight. And freezing wasn't an option. What do you do? Well, yeah. you know, fighting can look different. Fighting doesn't have to be raising your hands and swinging. Sometimes it's channeling that lightning, like you were saying, like a battery, right? Totally. It's like utilizing that black hole instead of like, you're, oh, it's like you see the black hole, you, you know that you're heading towards it. And if you pass a singularity point, you're in, you're in, and that's where you're going. It's going to that lightning. You. Uh -huh. So you got to like, like, I'm not, I'm not no like scientist in this area, astronomer, uh, but like use the inertia of going around the black hole to shoot you off into space as a like, Dude, battery. Try, try that slingshot theory from like interstellar. Yeah. You know, slingshot <laughs> off of a, a gravitational pull. I wonder if you do that with a black hole. I feel like you can't, but I understand the point. Right. Like, you, know, you got to ride the lightning. You're going in, you know, and, and what's funny about the black hole uh, analogy is that when you go into a black hole, you know about the event horizon, right? Yep. And as you're approaching this, this critical mass of gravitational pull from the outside observer, someone sees you falling into that black hole essentially for eternity. But yeah. The, when it comes to the mind and you're going into that black hole, you're seeing yourself fall into that hole for eternity. It yep. kind of like you're processing so fast, you're going into that black hole so fast that the experience, um, the, the time, the time, the temporal awareness of what's going on gets kind of gets screwed with. Um, and when it's over, when it's done, every, every anxious event, when it's over, you can't believe that you can't believe that it even like went down, you know, like, cause yeah. usually it's like, it's like, it's like a bad trip. <laughs> it's just like when you're heightened anxiety, um, 
it's a bad trip. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of like the, in, in CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, you, you use a scale uh, either one to 100 or one or you know, zero to 100, zero to 10. And it's called the subjective units of the stress scale. Okay. Or SUDS. And oftentimes when you're working with, uh, on your anxiety, if you're like working on it in that way, you'll, you'll, you'll want to like kind of get what you think your SUDS level is before what your SUDS is after and then yeah. you want to look back upon the event and see how rational your original um uh, projection into the event was so like what you thought it was going to be before you did it versus totally. what it was when it was in there and then what you are now and that's that's one way of learning you know that's that's exposure therapy is what i'm describing if, if you go into and i'm sorry to bounce around but if you go into an event that wigs you out like yeah. with the public speaking that was the black hole right i'm just like there's all this anticipatory anxiety, that preemptive future anxiety of like, I'm going to fail. I'm going to fail. I'm going to look like yeah. an idiot. No one's <laughs> going to like me. Uh, I'm sure in the background somewhere, there's like my brain going, oh man, like if a pretty girl sees me, there's a, a mate loss opportunity. Like I'm never right. going to marry that girl if I look like a buffoon. So like there's all of these, these sub drives, I'd say, these, these subconscious drivers um, that are worried about things. And they're all just like throwing up their emotional red flag and going, hey, Listen, like the Zelda little, uh, right. the, the Zelda fairy. What was his name again? Do you remember? I don't remember his name. Oh I always my God. call it the Zelda fairy and be like, hey, listen. He's, just, that's, he's anxiety. He's, act, he's, he's also his conscience, uh, his conscience, which is not so different when you get yeah. down to it. Hey, listen. Totally, yeah, that's exactly know? it. But he speaks in, in words and your anxiety is not always so straightforward. Have you ever had a time, because you're talking about, you're talking, describing what I would usually refer to as leaning in. Have mm. you ever experienced a time that you can remember where you were having heightened anxiety? I know on our last podcast, you definitely leaned in because you were describing it outwardly. Although yeah. that, could, that could be said that's intellectualizing and getting some distance. It can also be said that like you're feeling through it. Depends how much you're feeling through it, right? Can, totally. you think of, can you think of times where the anxiety felt like it might override you and where you were successful and what you did to make sure you're successful? Oh man. Yeah. I can actually think of a, uh, one event very recently, uh, this past, uh, this past weekend, uh, I went down to some land to doing this project where I'm, you know, photographing the land and I, I'm going through uh, part of the land and this is like all wild it's all natural it's incredibly biodiverse there's really not too many areas that are the same and it's just it's it's really incredible uh, but I come up to this one area a lot of the, the the places I can walk is just either rocky or very short grass mm -hmm. but in this one area you, I could see where all the water was kind of funneling through so it created this brushy area and I had walked so far into this one part of the land that if I wanted to turn around, it would be a lot harder because I had recently, um, you know, hurt my knee. So I, it was looking back, um, like this, this was a recent experience. Yeah. Very recent. This past, this past weekend. And I'm looking behind me. I'm like, do I want to go back up, which would be a lot harder for me to get back up or, do I want to go through this brush? And the brush mm -hmm. was about a little bit taller than me. And I know there was some wild hogs on this land. I also know it was, it's rattlesnake season. Um, I can't really see a good path through this brush. And so I'm looking behind me. I'm like, do I want to go there or do I want to go through this brush? And then the distance I had to travel was 
let's see, I'm thinking, uh, let's see, about 20 yards, 25 yards. And I'm going up to it and I'm looking around it. I, I get to a higher vantage point just to see how I can get through this brush. And I'm like, okay, I, I start looking for the animal tracks and I see a little path. I see a little path in it and it's just the right amount of visibility for me to navigate through it. And I was like, okay, I think this is the way for me to go because I also need to get to the other side to photograph so I could turn around and photograph what I just went through because that's another perspective that I haven't yet obtained. And this is the last time I'm gonna be out there this season. So to me, I was balancing a lot of important things in my mind. Um, so so when we get this straight, because this sounds like what I would call primal anxiety, because this was a, this was a safety situation where you yeah. had to protect yourself and you had a goal in mind and yep. you have to decide which one's more important. So you're trying to, you're trying to, you know, uh, you're trying to reach the goal. Okay. And maybe, yeah. maybe we can use this because this is kind of analogous to how anxiety works in general. Totally. You're trying to reach your goal. That's the, that's the main objective. Okay. Yep. So getting that, getting that perspective, getting those shots. At the same time, mortal danger, right? Oh, yeah. We, we want to make sure we're okay. How do you feel that you were able to, because clearly anxiety is welling up and you don't want to freeze. Like that's just like the most non-beneficial response when it comes to anxiety in my book. It's like freezing is like, yeah, you don't want to stop. Mm -mm. It doesn't, it's not going to be helpful because basically what you're afraid of, and I can prove that in a second, and almost any anxiety event will be worse by freezing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, definitely. So, how, how do you feel? Because you started going into your, you started going into your skills. You started using the lightning. It sounds like, or at least not letting it get in your way. Yeah. Started leaning in. How do you feel able to do that? Um. So for me, is I visualized my path. I visualized my entry point and my exit point. Mm -hmm. And as I'm going in, you know, I'm I'm listening. I'm trying to listen for any kind of uh, sticks breaking because this is a heavy brushy area. <clears throat> it's really dense. And then yeah, like, even thinking about it right now kind of brings up some kind of like anxiety just thinking about it because there was a lot of unknown in that bush. Like I can't, I can't, I don't have good visual. And I also have these new glasses, which are a little disorienting. So, okay. So glasses are a potential impediment. Um, probably don't want to lose them as well, scratch them up or break them. Cause that, that gets in the way of you getting to your goal is like, right. there's, there's one of your senses. You're, wor you're worried about things in the brush. Creatures. Yeah, specifically hogs specifically? and rattlesnakes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Anything else like poisonous stuff, plants, no, things like that? Not, not okay. really. I'm not too worried about the, any of the plants. Um, yeah, I was mainly just worried about creeping up on any hogs that, cause like that little brush, that little uh, brushy area was the perfect area for them to sleep, chill out, hang. And I actually stuck my head in one of the areas and it was this perfect little enclosure where they all sleep at night. I could see where mm -hmm. the, the grass was padded. I could tell that they were recently there. You know, there was some scat on the ground that, that seemed relatively fresh. And so I was like, interesting. Um, all right. And so. Do you remember, I know it's post hoc. It's a little after the fact. Do you remember knowing you felt anxious and scared? Oh yeah, dude. I, yeah. Right. When I was right, when I walked up to it, I was like, okay, I got this. I know exactly where I need to go. And then there was the middle area. So I'm walking through this brush and I get to the middle and I didn't foresee this. There was a lot of dead trees way more than I even anticipated. And I was like, Oh fuck, this is the perfect rattlesnake uh, enclosure. And mm -hmm. so I'm looking down and in my brain, my brain's like, 
going haywire. It's trying to take in as much information as possible mm-hmm. so it can qualify this as I'm being safe or let me know I'm being safe. So you're looking for certainty in the moment. Exactly. And my brain yeah. was just like, once I got to like the midway point, which is where all these dead trees are, the dead trees covered a span of like uh, five to six yards. Yeah. So I actually had to walk on top of these big branches that created like kind of like a, a makeshift bridge. And my brain at every single point, every single step, it was like, just turn back, just turn back. It's easier. And I was like, no, I got to so stay flight, in the force. Flight's kicking in now. Like yeah. you can always run back. You can always go back to, to the hut, to, to the, you know, totally. where you just were, you know, it's safe, you know, it's good. Exactly. And yeah. I wanted, and like, there were some points where I wanted to stop and like, and take in more information. But like in the back of my mind, it was like, no, slow is smooth and smooth is fast. So even though I was slowing down, I kept my speed a very moderate speed so that I'm not going to inhibit um, my foot placement. I'm not going to inhibit uh, yeah, freezing. I'm not going to not inhibit freeze. I'm not going to freeze so that um, a snake could like possibly, you know, recoil and then and attack. Like if it's yeah, going right. to attack, it's going to attack. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I had to accept it in that one moment. And what state were you in? Texas. You're in Texas. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Very likely there's, there's something back there. There's, there's rattlers in Texas, right? Totally. Yeah. yeah and uh, I don't want to fuck with that. Not at all. And they, they, uh, the people of the land um, who own that land, they had just seen some rattlesnakes as of mm-hmm. recent. And so I was at the very um, point of the day where the rattlesnakes were coming out to chill out on the rocks because they weren't as hot. Gotcha. gotcha. So, so they, they have a nice little uh, Goldilocks zone for what, what works for them. Definitely. And I, and once I, you know, I got through this brush, everything de-escalated. I took a deep old mm. breath and I was a, and I looked back and I was like, yeah, I did that. And mm-hmm. for me, that was like a great metaphor for leaning in and sticking to the course, stay the course, yeah. stay the path. Like I used my anxiety as a, as like a battery rather than as like an inhibiting fear that would stop me and mm-hmm. I didn't allow myself to turn back even though I know deep down in my core that would have felt very uh calming and what would seem quote-unquote right but in that moment it just wasn't right I had to go through it because I needed the photos and two I'm already in the brush why would I turn around by stopping and rotating that's just too much time and I kept thinking to myself, slow is smooth and smooth is fast. Right. And, and I imagine, I mean, this is all happening pretty quickly, I imagine, although you can you look on it now and stick, you know, span it out from your yeah. memory. But, you know, you're not, I can't imagine you're thinking, don't turn around because if I turn around, this will go back. Like, it's more like an emotional feeling. Yeah. And then I imagine words accompanied why that feeling made sense to you. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I think, it, I think what they would say is like, my the right side of my brain was coming up with the feelings and the notions and my left right. side like put some words to it right and that's often referred to as a cognitive appraisal and it's like uh we know this about like morality for instance like usually when you when something is actually not quote unquote really wrong i mean like actually like you can't discern whether it's right or wrong and there's mm-hmm. there's a lot of uh, moral dilemmas that i can throw out there um like instances where no one actually gets hurt but it sounds kind of disgusting to you 
Yeah. You'll, you'll come up with reasons after the fact as to why it's wrong because you felt that disgust. So for instance, somebody eating, um, somebody eating raw piece of steak might gross you out, right? Just raw, bloody raw. And if that, if that, if that has that disgust response, you'll come up with all these reasons afterwards, not before you'll start going afterwards. You'll cognitively appraise to go. The reason why that made me feel gross and why I know it's wrong is because it possibly has bacteria. I'm doing it right now because I think it's gross. Has bacteria. Um, it, it might make your make you sick. It uh, it could you know it, you can blow it up as far as you want. You can you can go into what are called cognitive distortions and just like really magnify it. You might get a rare bacteria and it'll go up to your brain and right, it'll yeah. it for the rest of your life. And then you'll pass it on to your kids and you know some terrible fate will bestow them and you have to watch them die because you ate that steak it's like whoa yeah that's that's dissonance that? fuck <laughs> <laughs> so when you got to the other side you get to the other side you've gone through all this processing of saying you know you know um slow is steady right yeah right you're being the tortoise and the hare you're just like just keep moving just keep swimming i, I always kept imagining dory from uh, finding nemo just keep yeah swimming. yeah when you got to the other side and you met your goal and i don't i, I want to harp on the goal the goal, because we talked about it starting with this being a motivational driver, primarily totally. from an evolutionary perspective, you can, you can look at it from different lenses. And, and say that just for the evolutionary standpoint, it's just like, there, like there's a specific bush over there that I need to get berries from. Like, yeah. like that, that right there would fit. Sure. Any goal, any goal is prompted by a desire to move and, and what facilitates what emotional quality we decide is, is driving us just depends on, on certain factors. Yeah. Um, it depends on that cognitive appraisal of the events as fast as you can. So you get to the other side. Did you get your photos? Yep, sure did. How, how'd you feel? Oh, I felt really great. Um, I was like, you know what? The perspective from this side isn't that alluring as I thought it was, but mm -hmm. I was more proud of myself in the moment that I stuck to it, even because for me, it was going into the unknown. Sure. So. It's, it, it, was a, it sounds like a real grass is greener scenario, even though the grass wasn't greener yeah it was kind of sweeter in a way like it's just because you survived it you got through there you weren't certain and definitely that's the hallmark uh the hallmark seedbed of anxiety of uh, is uncertainty like the uncertainty pr provides you with fear it, it it provides you with anxiety anxiety and fear are fundamentally the same thing yeah so the reason why i wanted to walk through that because one it's a great example it's primal anxiety primal anxiety in me says this is what I was designed for. Yeah. Yeah. And today we don't deal with as much primal anxiety, although what's considered primal anxiety in my book to animals, right across the span and what's considered primal anxiety with a human bend because we have different needs and, and different ways of, of, of engaging with one another with very rich socialization rituals. Yeah. Uh, so, so we worry about certain things like other creatures don't get so, so, and, and we can articulate them. So like we can, we can do that post hoc analysis and really fuck ourselves over and just talk totally. about all the ways we screwed up me going to that, that, uh, give the presentation worrying about that one girl that may or may not be there. Um, as a young man that of course that's on my mind, probably be on my mind now and right. you experiencing that primal anxiety, you have this goal in mind right? You have this thing that you're, you're prompted to do something you'd, you'd like to reach. So you can say that that's the thought. The thought is I want to get to that thing, right? I'm going to do the CBT. CBT is cognitive behavioral therapy. What you do with CBT is you take a look at your cognition. So your thinking, your behaviors and your affect or your emotions. And all three of those have an interplay. 
a great, great framework from which to look at this. Yeah. So you have this, you have this, and, and, and yeah, you have this thought. Yeah, I got to get it to the other side. All right, cool. Then you, then you look at like what's in front of you in, in order to get to that other side. Like what's, what's the path that you have to tread? Is it yep. an impediment or is it going to, you know, foster uh, you getting to your goal? You say, okay, it's a bit of an impediment. Yeah. So you now are like having to go sift through emotions going, ooh, I don't know if I can cross that, right? And I yeah. imagine your brain starts naming all the reasons once that emotion pops up of, ooh, I don't know, of saying, here's what could happen. It could be a boar in the bush. I could fall in the bush, hurt myself. My knees tweak. There could be uh, rattlesnakes out there. It's that time of day. You know it's that time of day. So you kind of got that little fairy going, listen. Yeah. Hey, 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 yeah. hey, hey. He's barking at you, you know? And you're having to subvert that and say, well, I'm going to try because, you know, honestly, the other alternative is I stay here and I remain uncertain about how to get back where I need to be. Yeah, right? I get stuck. I get stuck. So freezing in this scenario sounded worse to you, getting stuck sounded worse to you than action. Totally, as it should be. <laughs> yeah, you, you got to wonder if that, um, you know, Will Smith once said, I have a fear of fear. He wants, you know, he has this great story about skydiving. It's worth looking up. And, you know, he and his buddies are all out drunk and, uh, you know, as, as drunk guys do, they start going, yeah, like testosterone mode. We should do this tomorrow. Let's go skydive tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. As the story goes, he's up all night after he sobers up and goes, oh, no. <laughs> he's, just, he's just like, why did I do that? He's like so afraid. He's like, I've got kids. I've got a wife. I've got a career. I got, I got plans. I got things that like this is totally getting in the way. So he stays up all night. And the next morning, he gets up and he goes and meets his buddies and he's like, you could tell none of us slept. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, he's like, you could tell none of us slept because in, in group think moment, again, there's a difference between primal anxiety and anxiety with the human bend. Like yep. there were human factors involved. He's like, I got to keep moving because I got social obligations to maintain. I don't want to look like a, no, I don't want to look like a punk. I got to go do this. Yeah. And I feel like uh, one of the things that uh, we kind of keep touching on is uh, we don't want shame from our community. Hell no. And you and I have talked about shame, judgment, and control a lot. And it might be worth bringing up. I call it the, the devil's triad, as you know. Definitely. I, I'd love to chat about that here in a second. Um, but just to, just to knock out the end of the story, he, he goes skydiving. And he said that it was a bliss. He said, and, and that's when he realized on the other side of fear is bliss. Yep. And that's, that makes a huge move towards what's called exposure therapy. Exposure therapy has been around since like the 1950s. And it, and it says this, if you're afraid of something, Unless you have a really, really good reason not to do it or alternatives. Yeah, exactly. Good alternatives, like helpful alternatives. Yeah. You should probably do it. Right. Yeah, for, you should yeah probably definitely. Do it. Always. Yeah. That's what I do for myself. I mean, like <laughs> that anxiety that I faced in that bush was not um, an old, was not a new friend. It was definitely an old friend. Like, sure. It's wired into you. It's like totally in your cortical structure. It's like cortisol's released. I know this guy. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, stress is going. I know this guy. And yeah. And it was so funny after I got over to the other side, like I, I did like a little celebration, like, you know, yeah. I, I made myself big. I, I celebrate, I made noise. Like, like I, I yelled into the fucking void. Like I embraced it and said it was okay to feel what I felt because it propelled me forward. Mm -hmm. And so the reason why I brought up this, those three, you know, those three, the devil triad, yeah, uh, the devil's triad, um, because what's interesting and you're making it quite a, you know, I've usually looked at those three things as being an impediment towards somebody's contentment or happiness. 
But what I'm hearing is you had a social obligation to get those pictures you felt. So that, that was also wrapped into the goal, right? And so I imagine if you didn't go across, you might have felt shame or judged yourself in some totally. way that oh, you didn't man. find palatable. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm thinking about it now. If I didn't go through that bush, I know exactly what I would have said to myself. I was like, uh, I didn't get the image that, uh, that I envisioned. I, I don't know what that perspective looks like. I'm, I'm lacking. Uh, why did I do that? I could, and then I'm thinking about, oh man, okay. If I didn't go through that brush, how was another way I could have gotten that photo? So now I'm like, now I'm utilizing all my other resources mentally and cognitively just to run through an exercise that isn't benefiting me because the solution was right in front of me. Right. Stay the course. And had you, had you not gone over, you would have experienced probably feelings like shame and feelings, I don't know, feelings like shame about not getting it done. Like the fear of having that extra yeah. anxiety, that extra angst on the other end propelled you forward. It's like, I'm going to hate myself if I don't go do this. Totally. Like, why are you Why are you freezing up like you fucking pansy? Move. Like yeah, exactly. Yeah, keep yeah. moving. Yeah, yeah. David Goggins was in there with me for like Dave, half, Dave, the, half the ride. <laughs> David's with me on a lot of my runs, but I don't get as far as him. Um, at some point, he loses his appeal, and I'm like, but, yeah, seriously. <laughs> <you know? laughs> then Jocko but, goes in my mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Yeah, um, good. <laughs> Jocko always says good. If something's if something's terrifying and horrible, good. You have to go through it. it makes you stronger. Oh man. And, uh, once we get a little bit further along, uh, I do want to touch on that aspect of uh, Jocko's mindset. Good. Hell yeah. Uh, Cause yeah, I, I think look. last time we talked about radical, uh, was it called radical responsibility? Uh, um, fuck, uh, hundred percent extreme ownership, extreme, extreme ownership, which I think might be one of the, one of the toolbox tools, uh, to maybe deal and combat with anxiety, it's, but it's a mental state you have to cultivate. I imagine. Definitely, yeah. Um, but let's finish out the uh, finish out this uh, the, your path that you're going. Sure. Because we have, it sounds like you know we have so many things to to be. Chatting oh yeah. With. <laughs> daily, daily, just walking across the street. So, um, what I wanted to bring it back to a big a big uh, issue right now that we've seen is is um, we see a lot of call out culture. We see a lot of um, cancel culture. They're basically they're the same thing. Um, we see a lot of social shame going on. Yeah, and one, of, one, of, one of the biggest anxiety drivers, uh, and not, not necessarily in a beneficial way all the time for human beings is social shame. And yeah. we've, we've, we've always weaponized social shame to a degree, although the speed and the, the, um, the network that can be affected by shaming an individual has never been bigger and it's never moved as fast as it moves now. You can, you can actually destroy someone's life for something they did for yeah, while they sleep. <laughs> so, now, so now people are like, honestly, like they've got blood on their hands, even though there was no murder. You oh, know? Yeah. They, they have to worry about, you know, the possibility that something will come up. And that, that, you know, for professionals, let's say, has to be scary as hell, because it's like anything can come out of out of the bat cave and just like, you know, be like, I've been waiting for you. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, how scary, man, that like gets my heart rate up a little bit. Oh, God, I, I think I've been good. I hope I've been good. Right. What did I do in high school? Shit. Um, you know, it's, it was I at a party? Did I did I knock? Did I hit someone's car? <laughs> like, oh man, I I can only imagine the things that like people could dig up about me. <laughs> yeah, you just don't know. And here's so here's how social anxiety works, and it, it goes back to that goal. For person, so a person is socially anxious. Generally speaking, they want to go into a social situation unscathed, bare minimum. 
They just don't want to be hurt by the situation. They don't want to lose prestige within the group. They don't yeah. want to lose, you know, from an evolutionary perspective, they don't lose the potentiality for, for mating or for, and I should, shouldn't call it mating, courtship, sex, fun, yeah. Yeah, anything, yeah. anything with uh, whoever they're attracted to, male or female, it doesn't matter. Um, and maybe even friendships. You don't want to lose out on friendships because losing out on friendships means that you're not worthy or something like that. You know, maybe totally, it, right. that's a horrible feeling, not fun. You want to avoid those emotions. And so part of that is to be socially anxious, which is this preemptive emotion to avoid further, uh, further gradients of, yeah. of anxiety, you know, and, and negative emotions, right? And the goal in this situation, of course, is either to look good or come out unscathed. It's never to get hurt. So somebody with, you know, a way that people deal with their anxiety is oftentimes they go into the flight mode and they do what's, what's, what would be called an avoidance strategy. And they try and get out of there and they, they try and hightail it or they don't even engage at all. So kind of like you take yourself out of the game so you don't lose. Yep. You kind of still lose. Um, but yeah, it feels exactly. less painful than what you believe you could have experienced. Totally. Yeah, that, that's a weird safety mechanism that a lot of people allow themselves to fall victim to. And I say victim because it is, um, in my mind, the, the, the lower frequency. Yeah. I, I and, don't want it. And I heard you say weird, which is not a word I'm used to you saying, but I imagine you mean weird as in, well, you tell me, as in like, it's weird that that's a mechanism we have. I call it weird because it, for me, it's nuanced. It's yeah. everyone interfaces it, interface with, interfaces it, oh fuck, <laughs> interfaces with it differently. And it's just, it, it's just a strange thing. I like how Joe Rogan says, it's like, you don't get stronger, you get weirder. Mm-hmm. And it's either you uh, you integrate the weird into you or you don't. And that's why I call it weird because it's so mm-hmm. ambiguous. Like, it's yeah, it's either you're, you're going to embrace it or you're not. Yeah. And it can be – it's either side. Again, that's that coin, that lightning. It's like social shame could also prompt you to go. I've dealt with social anxiety, as you know. It's been a lifelong curse and something that I work on uh, daily. Mm-hmm. I force myself to interact with a stranger almost every day if I have the opportunity. And sometimes I go out and force myself the opportunity. Sometimes it's not so good. Yeah, um, yeah. Last weekend, I went out to, uh, uh, there's a lake near me, and I went out to a pier, and I asked a, a young lady out there, I said, hey, like, is it cool if I'm out here? Like, a lifeguard to come by, and I had my headphones, and I said, did he just say it was cool for us to be out there? And she goes, I don't know. Like, really hostile. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, like, God, that was like, why are you drawing the line in the sand for hostility? Like, because that's a feeling like we're going to fight or something. I'm like, whoa, it was just a question. Totally. Nothing by it. Why do I feel ashamed for how you acted? Because I think you acted in a way that means that that corresponds to me acting in a way that was inappropriate. Right. Yeah. Where's this energy coming from? And how, yeah, like, did, like, yeah, you start reflecting back, like, how did I come off? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Was that my fault? No, like that's, that's ridiculous. But because you don't have any evidence and you're not having the dialogue, like your, your brain's going to act like, okay, like don't talk to people. That was a lesson implicitly right. learned. Just don't talk to people. You don't have that experience. Avoid that. Well, no, because like you can't do that. So flight kicked in. I'm like, I'm getting out of here. Get out of here. Right. Stranger. But as I'm coming back, there was another person out there and she was a lifeguard and she, part of her job is to make sure that people aren't going out into the water and, and spreading uh, COVID right now. And I, it's hot outside. They're, they're forced to wear their masks and their gear and right. they're, not, they're not doing their usual job. And I stopped to chat with her for a little bit and like, 
she she like brightened up. You could see it in her eyes. That's all I could see. Her eyes brightened up though. They widened in not like a scared way, but in like a ooh, I'm engaged yeah. kind of way. And I started chatting with her about her day and just thanking her for what she's doing. And I could tell her body and her posture changed. And what I went into was like mirroring. So just like with that girl who's like, get out of here. I'm like, cool. And I like hunched yeah, down and like, you yeah, know, yeah, disappear you under my man. hoodie, basically. <laughs> I'm like, get out of here. Go, go. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. I, I fucked up. I'm not worthy. Ah. And then I come back and I talk to this girl and she's so uh, vibrant and, and lit up that I come out of my shell like a turtle coming out of his, you know, pull the hoodie back. Yay, life's good again. I just go off and I'm like, okay, some people not good, some people good, which is why we should all measure our interactions. You don't want to give people a generalization to go off of. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I like that you just ended it off with that because uh, what you just said, um, I'm so glad you said it is because you had that one interaction and I feel like a lot of people who succumb to the lower frequency of anxiety and, and they basically do not engage because of what they just experienced, generalize right. that experience across the whole board. And I want every listener to know, not every, not every moment or experience is going to be the same. Nope. If you, if you like, just like you said, like you spoke to that one girl and you know, you, you met that energy to like duck and run. You didn't want anything to do with it. You noticed that that was a, that's a pattern that you naturally have. And so you tested it again, you know, good on you. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. Isn't that a part of CBT exposure therapy? A hundred percent. And as a younger man, I wouldn't have tested it again. But as an older, wiser man, I was able to say, we're just playing a cosmic ping pong match and you don't understand what the yep. curve's going to be. You don't know if somebody's going to put, you know, a curve or a spin on their, on their strike. She definitely was that day because I asked yeah. her a very innocuous question. Um, clearly something I did prompted her to feel a certain way. Um, and, and she responded, uh, uh, from my perspective quite quickly, but the other girl responded just as quickly, but in a bright way. So yeah, you don't know what's going to happen. Um, and, and the one thing that, that, you, that makes it difficult is you want to do this post hoc analysis and you want to figure out what you did wrong. Um, some people just don't seem to care. And I, I am mesmerized by those individuals for really like seem to care about what the they don't seem to care about how their interaction impacted the, the end result. They just kind of like accept and move on. I'm like, I'm mesmerized by that ability to just be like, yeah, yeah. it's a claimed ability. I don't know if it actually exists because I don't experience it often or at all. And like, somebody's like, yeah, man, like screw it. They're not important. Don't worry. I'm going to go do my next thing. I'm like, cool. That's really nice that you could respond that way. But I'm gonna like, I'm going to sit and, you know, I'm, I'm pretty introspective and I'm, I would you know, say that I outwardly, yeah. I utilize that perspective. Like yeah. outwardly, if someone was just like, Oh, that person just did this to you. Aren't you upset? And I'm like, nah, you know, at the end of the day, like I reasoned within a logic, you know, use my logical processes to get through it. But you know, I'm definitely that same person who will later on in the day reflect back on, um, what was I, was I in the wrong? Did, did I do something? Did I say something? Could I have approached, better like one instinct mm -hmm. kind of comes better where i moved on rather quickly but i thought about it later i was at this uh happy hour before corona land and i was uh you know i was like my bubbly self and it's a really loud place i was you know this person standing to the right side of me and i'm hard of hearing on my right side and so they say something and i didn't hear them and then i turned and i was interested in what they were talking about i was like yo, so-and-so, that's so crazy. And then they jumped back as if they saw a fucking ghost. And I was like, 
so I just moved on in that moment. You know, I didn't think too much about it. I recognized that, you know, I made them feel very specific way. So I disengaged, but I moved on. And later on, I did some reflection. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I just wanted to utilize that as a, like an example of like being able to outwardly express that notion of like, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. So I can, you know, reserve self in that, in that moment. But later on, I did look back on it. And I do think most people do that. I don't think, though, people who are low on empathy do that as much. Yeah, definitely not. Why would they care? Yeah, know? exactly. Um, it's, it's, it wouldn't really make a lot of sense for them to try and analyze it because they're not trying to improve their interactions. They're fine. Like, there's yeah. no reason to, to you know. And, and I wonder, in the moment, do you remember how you, how you, did you, like, rationalize it? Did you say, hey, they're probably just having a bad day or there was a misunderstanding? It's fine. I'll let it go. Or did you say, or, or yeah, did you say, there was, you know, something just happened. I'm, I'm accepting. Like acceptance seems to be part of the coin here of accepting yeah. our emotion, accepting our thoughts, uh, accept, accepting the experience between two people's behaviors, right? Your behavior versus theirs. Um, and do you remember like how you went about it? How, you know, how do you feel you were able to just be like, eh, it was, it was just a thing. Yeah. Uh, so this is a good segue for extreme ownership. Mm-hmm. I just, hundred percent owned that one moment. I owned my own actions and I, and I just put the ball in my court and I was like, you know, there's a probably uh, a high likelihood of me coming off a little bit wrong because it's a loud environment. And I probably spoke way louder than I anticipated mm-hmm. just to be heard um, over this crowd. So, uh, you know, I was like, okay, it's probably my fault. Um, and I, and I did end up saying, um, you know, pardon me, I'm not, you know, I said something to the effect of like, you know, part of me, I uh, didn't mean to startle you. And then we moved on. But that statement was so quick. I also think that I startled them in some shape or form. And they didn't hear that <laughs> statement. And yeah. so I felt like I was just speaking to the void at that moment. But sure. um, a, a little piece of me kind of thinks back to it every once in a while. I was I always kind of wonder like, oh, how did I like rub that person the wrong way? Yeah. But then again, I feel like sometimes my brain is just trying to bring things to the table just to play and work on. Sure. Sure. And, and a lot of times what people seem to do is engage in also what's called a, a reassurance behavior. And that's like a mental scrubbing. Um, like you're trying to get blood off your hands. It's just a mental scrubbing. That's exactly it. Yeah. 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 And so you go, you, you know, you're like, sorry, I'm hard of hearing. God, I want to make sure they understand. And then, yeah. and then, and they go, Oh, okay. It's like, yeah, I had this accident or what, you know, whatever, whatever impacted your ear. And you're like trying to explain like what went down. And it's like, now you've just fanned out even further. And then you're like, maybe you're like, Oh man, should I even shared that? Like now you're in a whole different time loop. And it's like, there's just no, there's just no fixing it. So leaning in extreme ownership is really um, and I like, I like actually utilizing that for leaning in. I like that. There's yeah. something right. There's something right about that. Um, it's, it's, it's knowing that there will be consequences and you will deal with them as effectively as you can. Definitely. Yeah. I love that. I don't like, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. You've never really seen me in, in like a business setting, but even mm-hmm. when I have like some business meetings or if I'm, if I'm working with like a few, uh, you know, people other people's employees a lot of people like to push around blame yeah and one of the things where people do not know how to handle handle me in certain in, um, uh, situations is when i do claim 100 percent ownership for whatever mistake happened it derails 
a lot of people because they were expecting a battle. They were expecting a some kind of like witty fight and that where they would have to show that they were right. And mm -hmm. when they when when I just take a hundred percent ownership, I'm just taking the stand. Like I'm in the arena and they can't really like throw claims at me even and like I need to tie this back into anxiety. The reason why extreme ownership works for anxiety and this is for the listener is that when you 100% own the moment you're nowhere else but now right you have to hone in on that moment claim it as yours and then suffer the consequences and i use that word suffer because a consequence it could either be good or bad you know you could uh you know hold the door open for someone and what you suffer is maybe they say thank you or what you can suffer in the other way is maybe they they berate you for for not seeing that they are mobily inclined in some mm -hmm. shape or form and 100 and you may have anxiety in that one moment but if you execute extreme ownership you're just kind of telling anxiety that hey i'm not going to go down to the lower frequency i'm going to go to, i'm going to go take the higher road on this mm -hmm. um, and we're going to move forward and so we're going to lean in it reminds me of the Buddhist, uh, the Buddhist idea of being willing to die so that you're no longer afraid of death. Yes, and, and yeah. That, that, that's a, like a, like a, often a, a warrior mindset or, or, a, um, or, or a, yeah, 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 or a high-level professional mindset. When you were talking earlier about uh, imagining your path through the brush, it brought me back to when I was a kid and my dad was teaching me to shoot free throws. And he said, I want you to, I want you to imagine the free throw. Like it would make me look away from the goalpost, like completely back to it. I mean, imagine the free throw, like, I don't know, one, two, three, four, five times, turn around and take your shot. And like almost every time it went in when I did that. Nice. And he said, he said that was one of Michael Jordan's secrets to his success in his free throw was, you know, Michael Jordan being a warrior, professional athletes are warriors in their own right. They're, they're competing. They're, they're trying to win the day. And part of what allowed him to, you know, for, for most basketball players, a free throw is, is not a fun part of the game. It's, there's a lot of eyes. There's a lot of attention on you. You're no longer, part of, yeah, you're no longer part of the team. You're, you're the, you're the, you're the guy, yeah. you know, you're the one in that scenario. So there's a lot of pressure. And he said that his success was led by imagining yourself doing it. So you've already been executed and then taking a shot and dealing with whether he made it or not. And I'm adding that last part because that's what he'd have to do. He'd have yeah. to accept He's accepting that it's good, that he's accepting that it might not work, but he's executing in a way that says, I'm going to do everything I can to make sure it does. Definitely. And I want to jump in on that one point. Um, so, uh, because like you're, you're touching on a very huge core concept and that's mm -hmm. a visualization. And we could think of this in a few different ways. What you're, what you're talking about is pre-paving, like mm -hmm. pre-paving story. So, you know, we'll go back to that free throw where you turn around and you imagine you're, uh, you know, doing the shot and you're making it each time. You're imagining how the ball is going to feel, how it's going to go in and all these things. And you're pre-paving those neural networks in your mind to get ready to fire and execute. The other thing I also want to touch on is that when you do visualization like that, you're priming your brain to look for specific patterns. Sure. And you're also telling the universe the story you desire most. Yeah, and, and I, 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 I'm sorry it. to cut you off, but the only place I would see that as not being effective is places that aren't, in, in experiences that aren't tasks. Like, 
you can try and imagine a social experience that goes a certain way, but you're probably going to be disappointed if you're imagining it as being like the ideal, right? Like, couldn't we say that? that I would, I would also say, uh, it sounds like you're touching on expectations. Okay. Sure. Sure. Because like, I, you know, for me, um, for me, if I'm going through like a, like a stressful as a public speaking, Mm -hmm. I'm going to go through this scenario that's most ideal in my mind because that's what I want. I like, I'm telling my brain, look for these patterns. I'm telling the universe, yo, this is the story I want to live. We're trying to optimize the likelihood of that occurring. Exactly. Yeah. If Mm -hmm. I can increase my chances, you know, at the dealer table of the universe, I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. And in, and I also simultaneously have to let go of the expectation because like you said, I have to be willing to suffer the consequences of either a failing or working mm-hmm. on either end. And once I can let go of those expectations, then I, then I think the, the story aspect um, isn't so much as ruminating, but it's more uh, setting the path up for your mind to pick up patterns. So maybe we could say uh, a way to manage your anxiety because we all do that um, pre-event processing, right? The anticipatory anxiety. Uh, we're anticipating the event is we say, here's how I'd like it to go. Yeah. Here's how, here's the scenario, how I'd like it to go. Now I'm going to go in there and accept that it can go anyway. Yes. So you have to simultaneously know what you want, right? You, you, mm-hmm. you in the bush, you know, you want to get across, but as you're going through the bush, you have to let go of the outcome because you don't really actually know what it is. Yeah, because I, I got to the middle of that that little area I was trekking through, and there's a bunch of dead trees that I couldn't see or foresee. Yeah. So, you know, I had to accept the consequences of whether or not if it was going to work. And I'll tell you what, the path that I thought up in my head, that's not the path I even went. I actually had to subvert because the path that I was thinking that looked visually appealing was actually not a safe path. Right. And for me, going out and talking to that, that woman on the pier, I thought I was going to get my goal and my need met of like interacting with another human being in a positive way. And uh, I couldn't have foreseen her emotional state and, and her reaction to me. I saw it. I thought it was going to be pretty simple. In my right. head, I was like, I'll ask her a question. She'll give me a basic answer. I'll go about my day. We'll both have made it like a minor connection. No, 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 no. That's not what happened. And so I had to kind of like, uh, you know, react, react accordingly. Fluidity is kind of a really important part of this as well, it feels like. Yeah, um, yeah. Being fluid with the consequences and not having expectations. And if, think, they, yeah. and if you do have expectations, have like incredibly low expectations, um, I would just say disband them all together because why expect anything when the world is a fun surprise box? Like I'd rather keep getting mystery prizes over and over and over. box of chocolates, man. Yeah, seriously. Uh, you know, it's it's funny. Um, going back to, like, you're not you don't know what you're gonna get. Um, you're saying, you know, I I talked to that second girl, and it was really it made me feel good to hear that. I'm like, yeah, I did make the right decision. I wouldn't talk to another person. I didn't let that first decision like keep me from from you know reconnecting. And I think of anxiety as as usually lacking in data acquisition. Like it lacks, yeah. it lacks data, it lacks relevant information, like most emotions do, really. Um, because you could be happy and and be happy about something and just have no idea that there's something bad coming around the corner and it was a direct consequence of your joy. And you just have no idea. So like emotions are, are pretty short, short term. They're not really they're not well thought out because they're not really thinking, they're feeling. And um it's funny you say that because like what you have to do, and it goes back to exposure therapy. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe maybe we need to take extreme ownership of collecting that data of, of yeah. always you know, hitting refresh as best we can. You owe it to yourself to go through that moment mm-hmm. again and again and again. And so you have, you know, you know, usually with medication, let's say, or medication is not a good one, but anything usually takes a thousand trials. Yeah. And you know, there's that 10,000, 10,000 hour rule for mastery. We're talking about a lot of time. So why, you know, I think we talked about optimization a little bit last time. It, it, it's so funny. Our brain just wants to optimize. It just wants to be so efficient. I've often said that uh, things like prejudice and bias and racism, which is just another form of bias and prejudice, is a sub-optimized use of your ability to efficiently analyze things as they actually are. Yeah. You know? It's like, and, it, to me, it's like utilizing generalizations uh, for your benefit when they exactly should be. exactly the same thing, right? It's exactly the same thing. Has to be. It's the same mechanism. Yeah. Um, right now, I think there's a lot of anxiety in the world because a lot of generalizations are getting thrown around. Oh man, a, a whole bunch of them. Um, yeah, and I, and I want to touch back just a little bit, just to kind of bring a little uh, synopsis, a little summary of like kind of like we're talking about, you know, because you, you face anxiety, I face anxiety. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the listener, you, you probably face anxiety too. So here, here are a few key takeaways that we, that we can essentially give to you right now is like when dealing with anxiety, understand that I'm going to, I'm going to start it off here. Don't generalize. If you have an interaction with someone and it wasn't, uh, to, you know, the desired outcome that you wanted, don't generalize that it would, it's going to happen to every, every single situation that you engage. The more you generalize, the more you're going to pit yourself into a corner that isn't going to be the corner that you want to be in. The other thing I would want to say is extreme ownership. Own the moment entirely. 110% own the moment. And then after you own that moment, visualize, like if you have this ability and if if you have the time to do it, visualize what you want the outcome to be and drop expectations. And the reason why uh, you want to visualize is for this next part. We didn't talk about this, but this this uh, this is what's key for me to get through this anxiety. So it's like, you know, I'm not generalizing. I've 100% owned this moment. Now I'm going to tell myself the story that I think is going to be the most beneficial and useful for me to exist and continue existing. The next thing I'm going to do is ignore the future. I'm going to ignore the past and the future. I'm going to be 100% now. There is nothing else that I need to do. I just need to put in motion the story that I told myself and look for the patterns that I look, that I uh, pre-planned for myself. Mm-hmm. So being 100% now allows you to kind of switch gears to where you can turn that black hole of anxiety into a battery. Right. And I just that's, wanted to. No, that's a, a that's a, that's a that's a wonderful little recipe there, man. And and what I heard, and it's great that we, you know, the topics we've we've talked about in our last five podcasts bleed into each other heavily. I think we're both very very human oriented, humanistic individuals believing in in uh, dynamic growth and and having that that. Uh, what, what I would say is a, a functional fitness mindset of like, yeah. uh, how do we optimize, but how do we optimize in an optimal way? Our brain thinks it's optimizing all the time, right? We talked about that with, like, oh, yeah. well, you know, a little bit like, you know, and, and the stories we tell ourselves and you want to, <laughs> you want to de-identify, you know, talking about like, how do you let go of, of, uh, you know, the future in the past, you want to yeah. de-identify a little bit. I always jump back to social anxiety because that's the most prevalent anxiety I think I've experienced. 
And I always think the moments where I was smooth, it had nothing to do with me. Yeah. And because I was having nothing to do with me. You know what exactly, I mean? It's like, yeah. I, you know, I'm like, I'm like, yo, you, you know, I might want to look good right now. It's not a thought you want to be having in the moment. You, you want to be having the thought of saying, you know, um, you want to have the thought of I'm here. You want to be yeah. present to the best of your ability. It takes practice though, these things. This oh, is yeah. not, this is not a, here's, here's a, our list of three and like, you know, go off to whatever makes you anxious and it, it'll just be perfect. It's going to be no. what it's going to be. It's going to be work. Yeah. This is work. Yeah. This is totally work. Um, yeah. I mean, just keep the ball moving since we're getting to the point where, you know, we're, we're building these recipes. I also want to touch on, um, the, what I think causes for me, my anxiety is a chattery mind. My mind, it really enjoys the monkey uh, mind. Yeah. It likes talking. It likes it. I call it, uh, how Terrence McKenna calls it. Uh, it's, it's just a language machine. It just yeah. wants to, it takes in words and it's like a babbling brook. It's just, it learned all these words and it sometimes it streams together a sentence and that sentence is like jarring and you're just mm -hmm. like, like the sentence could be, Oh man, I can't believe what so-and-so did in the fourth grade, man. If I see them now, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. And, it, and then you get all riled up on this whole thing that doesn't even make sense. And it's just because you're the language machine in your, in your brain just made up this story just to entertain itself. Mm -hmm. And, and it got you, it got you to, to, take the bait. <laughs> yeah, it's another cognitive appraisal gone wrong, right? It's just like, oh man, I still feel pissed about that. Yeah. And it's like, no, that's dead and gone, buried and like on another planet. Like it's just totally. not even here anymore. It's so funny that we can totally just have those things. They're zombies. They're internal zombies rising oh, yeah. from the grave. Those moments crack me up. Um, Chris Evans, who, as most people know, is Captain America or was yeah. Captain America or maybe will continue to be Captain America. We're uncertain. Don't get anxious about it. He dealt with anxiety before getting the role, before accepting the role. I think he was offered it six times. Yeah. And he said no. And uh, there's a great little little interview uh, you can look up of him explaining why that was. But he said something that I really liked. He said, he said, I, you know, he went to therapy and he said, you know, I realized, you know, or, you know, essentially my, you know, my mind makes thoughts that's what the mind does that's its yeah. job the problem is they become intrusive thoughts to the degree that we feel something and believe that feeling about the thought definitely yeah and like would jump back to a point you said earlier to uh disidentify with um you know this this situation before you and i also want to encourage everyone to understand this this very simple thing you are not your thoughts and you are not your emotions you are an accumulation of everything of them and they influence you so when you have these thoughts that arise it doesn't mean that you are anything it's just you have a thought right you're the micro deity you're the you're the meta you're the meta experience you're the culmination of every experience you could have will have and have had definitely that's it you're, you're all of it baby that's it yeah that's it yes yeah, the big shebang um and for those of you who, who have that chattery mind, um, this has really helped me out a lot. And I, and I hope that this helps you too. Uh, I've added um, one hour of meditation to, to my day. And I've been doing it for a few weeks now, maybe like hmm. almost close to about three and a half weeks. What kind of meditation you've been doing? Uh, I've been doing uh, basically what I like to do. I don't, and, and I, I'm a little uh, weird on this one uh, because I'm specific. 
I don't like to do the guided meditations because the reason why, and this is my thought, I don't know how true this is, but if I'm, if I'm doing a guided meditation, essentially what I'm saying to my brain is like, Hey, I'm going to let someone else take uh, control of you for a little bit. Right. And I need you to listen. It's almost like giving your like dog over to someone else on passive hijacking. Yeah. And here, steal my car. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. And 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 so I, I don't mind the guided meditation. Uh, as long as it's short, like in short for me is 10 to 30 minutes. Yeah. Because if I'm utilizing a a guided meditation, I'm utilizing it strategically in order to get a very specific mindset and feeling or energy drummed up in my body. Sure. But what I want to guide the people to do is, um, which is what I do is uh, either do some, put some binaural beats on or some Mm -hmm. hemi sync hemisphere synchronization. Um, where there is no guided meditation. It's not guided at all. It's just you and your mind. Right. And I like to get into a quiet, you know, I go in my room, turn everything off, lights off, go dark, uh, put a pillow, below, you know, below my knees. And then I put a little pillow behind my head. I put headphones on and then I rest comfortably. And then I listen and I stay now. I keep, mm. if, if, I, if my mind wanders, I just bring it back gently. I do not punish my mind for wandering sometimes no judgment no shame exactly. no control just being like hey man you want to you want to come back over here right exactly and the more and more you uh train your mind by you implementing it uh without the guided meditation you're i feel like you're able to hit such a deeper note um for <laughs> for what the meditation can gift you sure and uh, and I'll, I'll say a few of the benefits for me like one it's because I had a chattering mind and I say had, because this mm-hmm. is past tense. Now I don't have a chattering mind anymore um, or as much as uh, it used to. Sometimes my anxiety will kick in and, and I'm wrangling with this like little demon, but essentially the, the benefits is that I have more stillness in, in my body. And the other thing is, is I, I fall asleep like a champ. Like mm-hmm. that's something I've never had in my entire life. Mm-hmm. It's always taken me an hour or so to get to sleep. But yeah, now to me too, man. I feel you. Yeah, but now now, now I can fall good. asleep in like now ten minutes. Well. Hell yeah. That's that's what you like to hear. Um that that there is a way. And it sounds like you found a modality because like you could do a silent meditation. You could yeah. do um as you know, I teach like mindfulness meditation and I, I, I often like hesitate to say mindfulness and meditation in the same same right. sentence. Because like it, it confuses people. Um, I actually had a group uh, that I worked with recently and I, and we were working on mindfulness and like, there were a lot of questions they were fielding it. And some, you know, somebody's like, I can't meditate. I like, you know, once I close my eyes, my brain's everywhere. I go, cool. I got, I got, I've got a mindfulness exercise for you and, and, and you can decide whether it's meditative or not. And so, you know, this, this idea of we need to get away from our thoughts and get away from the emotion that's accompanying our thoughts because I feel uncomfortable. My brain won't stop chattering. It's like a big fallacy when it comes to meditation. I don't think that, you know, even masters of meditation are, I know they are not looking to, to shut their brain off. I don't yeah. think that's the move. The move is to gain that separation. Mindfulness in particular is just this subverted idea that uh, from, from you know, it's kind of a diluted form of, of, of meditation practices um, where you're like, oh, I'll get mindfulness. I'll be in the present awareness. I'll know what's going on. And therefore, my brain will shut off. No, no, no. It might yeah. get louder. And all your job to do is to be the passive observer 
of the mind, often referred to as the wise mind as well, um, to, to watch and just see what's going on. And to, you know, the wise mind is never hostile, like you were saying. You don't go, hey, motherfucker, get back here and wrangle your mind. It doesn't work. How are you get yeah. an amorphic blob of energy? You're going to wrangle it? No, no. You want to attract it like a magnetic wave. Say, hey, man, we want to be over here. Totally. It's almost but, like a it's like a cat, you know? <laughs> totally like a cat. Absolutely. Yeah, you ignore and, it, it comes over and chills with you. You want yeah. it, it's like, get away from me. <laughs> For sure. So this guy who who said I, I have to like look around, I said, Cool. Can you name five colors in the room for me? This is just a basic grounding technique. And he, mm-hmm. he starts looking around, he's grounding. I said, Okay, cool. Which one's the most which one's the most calming to you? He tells me which one's the most calming. It was blue. No, no surprise nice, there. Nice, nice. Yeah. And I said, I said, What about it's calming to you? And then he explained what was calming about it. I said, how do you feel right now? And he goes, feel pretty calm. It's like, cool. Yeah. Mindfulness. You just and, did it. <laughs> so I did that for one guy. I did a grounding technique for another guy who was more tactile. I did another uh, where somebody um, listened to my voice who's more auditory. And I had them listen to the space, the AC in the room. Just use your senses. That's, that's mindfulness. Um, yeah, tuning into your body. Mm-hmm. You're auditory, yeah. clearly. The words don't work for you, but the sounds do. And that's nice. Oh yeah, for sure, mm-hmm. man. I liked uh, that show on Netflix, uh, Midnight Gospel, when yeah. when uh, uh, Clancy is speaking, you know, with his mother, and his mother was just like, you know, what is mindfulness? And she's just like, okay, now look at your hand, now feel your hand, mm. feeling your skin, like feeling filling up that space. And I was like, oh wow, that's so powerful. Mm-hmm. And so now I do that. Um, when I'm going into my meditation, I, I, I start from my feet and I move my way all the way up. And sometimes, like not actually not sometimes, pretty often, uh, right by the time I get to my hips, my brain is just like, ah, we're comfy. So let's talk about this other thing. I was yeah. About. yeah. <laughs> and then You're doing I, a body scan, man. It's yeah. wonderful. Such a good technique. Um, so your brain starts chattering at that point point. goes, Oh, we're good. Like, let's yeah. just start thinking about what we're going to think about. Exactly. And then, and then I'll bring it back to, and then I'll fit, you know, I'll finish it out. And, uh, it's usually about like the 30 minute mark when my brain hits this, uh, this plateau of where it's everything and nothing. Um, it's like all the noise is there, but none of the noise is there. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoy it, and it, it's been really instrumental. Uh, so, you know, if you're going through anxiety, and a lot of people tell you to meditate, like I'm gonna say, it, I'm gonna be that dude. Go meditate. Find the way how you meditate. Um, you know, we all do it. We just do it in different various forms. Just be conscientious on what you're doing. Right. Find out what's meditative for you. Um, sorry to jump back to social anxiety. Go again, for guys, it. But. Um, the only thing, and I'm auditory, so this is hard for me. The only thing that seems to tamp down social anxiety as it's happening in the moment is to actually bring your conscious awareness to the other people. It's mm. harder. It gets harder the more people there are, obviously, because you're spreading your attention. Yeah. But you want to kind of you want to do that with an openness, and it just takes practice so that you can you'll know if you're doing it right. Your breathing will feel okay. You won't feel constricted you'll feel like you're kind of uh, actively and happily and content in a content way receiving what's going on. There's a lot of energy. There's a lot of interplay being picked up. And that is mindfulness from a visual and auditory standpoint. The more senses I think that you can bring in, the better, but don't start that way. You know, it doesn't doesn't start that way. Uh, There's no way it can start that way because we're working a muscle. 
Yeah, for me, it's uh, when I'm socially anxious, uh, I start grounding out via if I'm sitting down or if I'm standing, I'm thinking about what, how do my feet feel standing? How do, how do my thighs feel sitting on this chair? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm tuning into each and every single part of my body to ground out. Right. And, and if uh, we could do a quick mindfulness technique for people at home right now, wherever you're sitting, whether mm-hmm. you're in the car, whether you're, as I hope people are listening, this is in the car, this is where podcasts belong in my mind. Yeah. Uh, or maybe you're just hanging out at home. Maybe you're laying on your bed. Maybe you're, uh, you're doing work with us in the background. You're kind of passively listening. Regardless, feel where you're sitting. Feel your body in relation to the space that you're in. If you're on a chair, feel where your body connects with the chair. I can do that right now. I'm sitting on a chair. I feel it. If you're if you're on your bed, uh, feel how the weight of your body feels against the bed. How's the texture of your pillows, your blanket? Even if you got a naked bed right now and you're waiting for your laundry to be done, how's your bed feel? You how's the mattress feel? These are things you can do at any time. There are tools that we are wired with just as much as we're we have the tool of anxiety wired into us. Definitely, and I like like that little exercise because when you're tuning into your body, you're tuning into the now. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that really helped me was, uh, because for me, I have a lot of health anxiety and also the fear of death 24 <laughs> seven. And so for, for when I, so, so since I was a kid, like I've, I've always had it and mm-hmm. it's, it's like, now it's like my buddy. Now it's yeah. like my friend. Now it's like that old hug that I don't mind the company of. Um, but the, one of the techniques I utilize is when I do tune into my body, I have to be 100% now in order to tap into my body. Mm-hmm. And when I'm 100% now, death cannot live in the now because no. I'm alive. Like, it, and I also say this sometimes to other people. They're like, oh, I'm just so anxious about the future. And I'm just like, well, could you bring the future here. I got right. some words to say to it. Like lay, lay it in front of me. And, and you know, there's a woman um, I brought. I brought this book around because I wasn't sure if I was going to quote it during this. Um, it's, it's a book called How to Be Yourself by, by a, a psychologist named Ellen Hendrickson, a uh, wonderful woman. Uh, I emailed her. She emailed me back. That made me feel special. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, part of her book um, was exactly what you just said, which is what's often referred to as a, a thought record, which is getting specific. Because usually when we're worried about something, we're worried about a host of things like casting a wide net. Yeah, and and what she suggests, and I think this is lovely, and I don't utilize it enough. I'll be honest; I really should utilize it more. I was utilizing when I was reading the book a lot, and mm-hmm. this is just a good conversational reminder. Again, these conversations that we have probably aren't things you don't know or don't think about or don't feel. They're probably things you know that we're just bringing into conscious awareness. So your everyday life, uh, you know, is is just that much more improved. I think yeah. that's how I've been. That's how I've been thinking about it, and. Um, so she says, get specific. Okay. You know, her book's about social anxiety, but you can do about any anxiety. What are you worried about? What is it? Get specific. Okay. Once you get specific, you, you might actually go on to say something along the lines of, okay, what's the likelihood of that happening? And your brain might still be anxious and say, it's, it's really big. Yeah. But yeah, like, yeah. Get specific again. How big go into percentages. If you're not good with percentages, uh, one to 10, you know, totally. just like 10 being like, it's totally going to happen. One being like, yeah, probably not cosmic, cosmic coincidence at best. So yep. I love that. Like get specific about it. Like how, what are the odds this thing's going to happen to you? And what is it that you even think is going to happen? Which again, it's like saying, bring the future to me. Yeah. Yeah, bring exactly. 
What yeah, bring it here. Words? I got I got some words to say to it because uh, you know I'm really mad at it. <laughs> it's funny you can have ghosts from the past. You can also have ghosts in the future, as it turns out. Yeah, You're haunted that, by something that even may not even occur. Yeah, exactly, and that's what I think a lot of anxiety is. It's just the thinking of the future over and over and over, making you anxious about the unknown. And I'm just like, yeah, bring it here. Mm -hmm. um, another thing I also want to touch on is, uh, okay, so we've been talking about a lot of like the the mindset around anxiety well you know we did talk about this in the beginning of the podcast where we live in a different world and we live in a different time you know we don't have the constant threat of predators you know chasing us through the fucking woods or jungle or any of that stuff um although and, with social media we think we do yeah exactly yeah. and and so you know in the world that we live in we still have these old systems in our body where it's your body's trying to perceive a predator and it, it jacks up your cortisol um, and it stresses mm -hmm. you out. So the next thing I want to talk about is like, we, okay, we talked a lot about the mind. Now let's talk about the physiology and the body. And the things I want to jump into is like, uh, just to kind of like jump into it really quick is your body's trying to perceive a threat all the time all the time it's always on guard it's always looking out for you and it's not because it's your body that's like doing the threat detection it's your mind influencing the body and so when we think about it as a mindset it's like a subliminal thing and what i'm pushing forth in this in this instance is exercise mm -hmm. and 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 a different type of stress either a stress uh from heat or stress mm -hmm. from cold, and I'm specifically referencing a sauna or an ice bath. Yeah, because those yeah, those, those two things. If you can get access to either one of them, great. Because then what happens is you're going to actually show your body and your mind what um, what it could be um, fearful of. If that makes sense, I know it sounds mm -hmm. counterproductive, but for me. I love ice baths. Like I, I will, I will, I take about, uh, like I take cold showers daily. Yeah. I do uh, Wim Hof breathing and mm -hmm. that's to change my physiology. And then I give it a stressor, an actual right. real stressor. I don't go to the office and work all day and then come home, drive through traffic, which is another stressor and then get home and then veg out and watch the TV. I need to have a, a legit stressor. Like you need to work out. You, you need to, amp, you know, put more energy through your body so it knows it has a predator that it can overcome. Essentially, or, or, or essentially, it has a prey. It has a goal. It can it can go after. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Because yeah. you're yeah. running towards. Yeah. Totally. And I also want to uh, just mention that when you do uh, like a sauna or ice cold baths, you can release, you know, heat shock proteins and cold shock proteins. And they're really good for lowering your cortisol. They're really good for immune boosting, um, mm -hmm. you know, stuff. I'm not too versed in it. If you want to check out Dr. Rhonda Patrick, she's phenomenal in this area, specifically yeah, she's, saunas. She's super cool. Um, you can also do you know, Tony Robbins used to talk about this. He still talks about this. The physiologists have, have known this. And I think we all know this, but we forget it. Mm -hmm. It's like, um, dance, put on some, yes. you know, put on some music and dance. We, you know, you, it's no coincidence that, that cultures we consider quote unquote, less civilized in the past or now 
dance and play music and get energetic and get into it. There's a, a guy named Andrew Solomon who um, is really, really cool. He had depression. He went off to Africa and engaged in something called an UNDOP, uh, N-D-E-U-P. It's really cool. It's called, I think it's called Naked Afraid and Drinking a Coke. And it'll make sense. Uh, I, I won't ruin the story for you, but the long story short was a big part of the, the ceremony is, um, uh, is is being out in the sun is you know so again that heat right you're yeah that heat that primal energy that vitamin d is going which now they're calling that hormone d another Rhonda patrick look up for anybody totally she talks about that and um he's moving his body he's getting going and, and tony robbins does that he does his ice bath in the morning you ever seen his morning routine no i haven't he does a morning routine he hops he has this of course state-of-the-art kind of like deal where he can jump down into it and go underground a little bit that's so um, kick-ass. I know. It's, it's really cool. But he also works out immediately in the morning. And he, uh, he at the beginning of his shows, will have his, his crowd stand up and be clapping and dancing and jumping around. Yeah. Ellen DeGeneres, in the beginning of her show, she always comes out dancing, has anyone dancing. We know these things. Do it. Definitely. Do it. Find the one that feels appealing and do it. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe and even the one that, is, that doesn't. Maybe even the one that doesn't. And do it. Dude, totally. No, I agree. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, I got to say that the ice baths really helped me out tremendously. I believe you. I believe you 100%. I actually did the cold water when that, that was a thing, the cold water therapy, you know, doing the, I did it for like two weeks. You do feel exuberant after. I mean, like, oh, it's, yeah. it, you know, the system is like shocked. It's a lot. It's very electric. You're just like, ooh, let's go. Like, it's time to Definitely. go. Definitely. Definitely can make you sleepy a little later. So, if it, you know, the only thing I would caveat I throw out there is if you are prone like me to feel more anxious when you're sleepy, just pick something that doesn't wipe you out. And yeah. Try it out. You know, you have to try it out. You're going to try things. Totally. No, I feel like, uh, yeah, I don't really have too much else about, about the body for physiology, uh, for the, uh, for anxiety. Uh, mm -hmm. I will also say, you know, breathing is another important one. Um, when you can consciously and strategically breathe, you are engaging in your in your system that right. is older than the mind. Right. Um, so when you can alter the way you breathe and you're consciously doing it, mm -hmm. you're, you're going to activate certain processes. And I'm not too familiar with all the the, the language behind this, but I would encourage you to check out, um, you know, listener, check out Wim Hof. And totally. His his breathing technique, it, it's 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 nice. It's lovely. I utilize it even in my own meditation, especially if uh, if I want to engage my mind in a different way. Because I mm -hmm. will say, after I do the the breathing meditation that he outlines, and you could down, you could download his app. Um, after I do that breathing meditation, I'm so blissed out. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And I think what we're talking about here is as I'm listening, we talk about like kind of mindfulness stuff or sensory stuff. We're talking about halfway automatic processes. These things are happening with or without you, but you can have yes. an influence and, and do them. So breathing's happening, seeing's happening, generally speaking, smelling's happening, hearing's happening, taste is happening. Um, you can, you can tap into these resources. You know, some people like to uh, smell citrus. I've, I've done that to like wake yeah. up and change their body. Some people like to take a bite of a lemon. Um, so, you know, it's just like whatever, whatever, uh, system you can hijack to orient you again to the now is going to be so beneficial to you in the long run. Understand that when you have anxiety, it means that a need needs to be met and you're really focusing on how the need's going to be met and trying to control that. Yeah. You don't need to control how the need's going to be met. Just simply acknowledge the need that you, that you, that you're, you're after. 
Yeah, yeah, and stay the path, stay the course, keep moving forward. Um, and also on the note of, uh, you know, since we're talking about, you know, halfway automatic processes for, for your eyes, uh, anyone who lives in a cloudy environment, buy yourself, treat yourself to some yellow tinted sunnies. Oh, you like your yellow sunnies. Yeah, I sure do. And they, they're phenomenal. Um, because the reason why people say, oh, you need to get outside and get outdoors, you need to go walk the nature path is because there's so much green and yellow light entering mm. your body. So mm-hmm. when warm light enters your eyes, it has a physiological effect on your body and your mind. Mm-hmm. So why not just buy some yellow sunnies and especially on a cloudy day of all days, wear them. Like you will be way happier than the general population when they're being succumbed to blue light and gray light, mm-hmm. which is not fun. You're making, you're making me regret it. I just bought some sunglasses that have blue tint. <laughs> I should have gotten the red tint. Dude, um, the red tints are really good too, especially for uh, decompressing before you go to bed. Oh, really? Definitely. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. I actually have a pair of red aviators that uh make at night if I'm if I'm feeling like um my system isn't ready for sleep, I'll put those on and it really helps out. It calms you down. I would think it would it would lift you up almost, but I guess it, it, it does both. It does both. It does both. Okay. Just yeah. has kind of that calming effect though for you. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and if anyone is interested in light therapy, check it out. Red light therapy is a real thing. Um I would check out uh I think it's called Mr. Red Light, where he he builds these devices where it emits a very specific frequency of red light. And red light therapy is is incredibly good for the eyes. So if you're into this kind of therapy and in the kind of lights that you're you know you're taking through your eyes, by all means check that out. Mm-hmm. And I think we're getting to the point where, where you and I get to sometimes where we start like suggesting personal health tips. So maybe yeah, it's a good time right. to kind of wrap it up. But some takeaways, I think, um, is lean into lean into stuff, guys, openly. Be, try and, and foster openness. This takes time. Uh, fostering openness to something, to anything, is a lot like trying to work a clam or oyster open. It takes time and effort. If Patience. Patience do too quick. You might cut yourself. You might hurt yourself. Take some time. We've said it here before. Be kind to yourself. Oh, do yeah. Not, do your best not to to judge yourself or judge others or to feel shame for having those experiences. Just be, let it be what it is. Let go of control a little bit. Yeah, no, I, I got to agree. Um, yeah, for me, I think... Yeah, I, I like everything that was said. Just like listen, listen, tune into your body, Res- respect what it's saying. Like maybe take some time and just lay down and just tune into like what your body is telling you, um, and then give it a shot. Try it out, especially if it's something new. You know, expose yourself to the weird. Be uncomfortable. Um, learn how to navigate being uncomfortable. Um, all of these tools that we have like talked about throughout this whole podcast uh, for for. Uh, you know, me and a guy one over here, we, we talk about these all the time. Like these are very prevalent conversations that we're always talking about. We're always sharing our techniques and, and we're always learning something new. So I think the biggest thing is to stop treating anxiety as like this big bad demon and start treating it as like a battery. Mm-hmm. And because it has energy to propel you forward. So you fight it, it's corrosive as hell. Yeah. Redefine how you uh talk to yourself and talk to anxiety. 
and integrate it to who you are. Um, if you're anxious, de develop the techniques and the skills that you know to um, mitigate or protect yourself from the wrath of anxiety. Because if you know yourself, there's nothing else you need to know. Like, that's it. Like, you're already winning if you know yourself. Right. And I love the Bruce Lee, and I think I brought it up before, the Bruce Lee uh, quote of all knowledge ultimately means self-knowledge, which I think is a Buddhist idea as well. This, this is all turned into a very Buddhist kind of doctrine. I think, I think because anxiety is so prevalent that, that, that it makes total sense that this was something that a lot of energy was allocated towards um, over time. And so, yeah, you, you want to understand this, you, you want to track it, you want to sift through it intellectually and emotionally. If you can't do it at the same time, fine, split it up. Totally. Let, let yourself experience it. Let yourself understand it. And I think, I think both of those kind of gives you your power back. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that's it. I think uh, we, 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 we really tapped into anxiety and some processes and some, you know, what I call recipes to really work on um, this one little area. And I, I, we both hope that you, the listener, I hope this benefits you. Um, if, if it does, cool. If it doesn't, cool. But if it does, send us an email and tell us what worked. Tell us yeah. like what you're thinking about. Like uh, everyone's anxiety is a little bit different. Um, if you, know, you put your feet in a tub of jello and that makes you feel good, no harm, no foul, I want to hear about that. Yeah, that's some kinky <laughs> ass shit. <laughs> but that's okay, man. Just let it be. I, I kind of actually want to try that now. How do I get enough jello to make that? Right. <laughs> All righty, y'all. Well, that was uh, just two guys talking. Deeply appreciate it. Please share this podcast. And if you want to send us an email, it's info at justtwoguys.co and it's mm -hmm. the number two topics ideas what worked what didn't do you think i'm a jerk let me know i'm anonymous <laughs> <laughs> awesome well we'll talk to you all later bye guys all right everyone that was episode six with just two guys talking where we got to speak about anxiety one of those wild fucking topics that we all have some kind of knowledge about whether if we interfaced with it or we know someone with it I deeply, deeply, really appreciate everyone who tuned in, whether if it was the first time or if you're a returning listener. I deeply appreciate you. Thank you so much. And on that same note, I also want to say thank you and please give us a share. Please share this with someone who you think will benefit from hearing what we spoke about today. And if you want to email us, then send an email in to info at justtwoguys.co. And it's the numeral two, number two, just two guys talking. Anyways, it's been great. It's been lovely. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, I'll see you later.